0: Hello, hello, lovely people. I hope you're good. But if you're not and you're feeling a bit, well, you know, well then I think I have just the person for you. In the roller coaster that is this wonderful life, Sam Burgess has certainly had her fair share of ups and downs, so low at times she describes being at rock bottom. She was expelled from Borden school at 15, has been through two marriage breakups and was made redundant twice in her early 20s. Despite all this, she went on to have some huge corporate jobs working in recruitment for brands like Arcadia before moving into marketing. But she decided to leave this all behind and by being brave and honest about what was and wasn't working, she's now exactly where she wants to be. Today she works as a life and business coach and lives by the sea in Brighton. Sounds good, doesn't it? She loves helping others navigate their own roller coasters in life. But don't expect an easy ride with Sam. I'll let you listen to find out why. Hello and welcome to the next chapter by Ellie Barker. The idea behind this podcast is that as I begin my next chapter from journalist to indie author, I speak to other people who have already made the brave leap and started their next chapter in the hope it might help you with yours. Or at the very least, you may just enjoy the conversation. So here she is, Sam Burgess. Hello, Sam Burgess. Welcome to the next chapter by Ellie Barker.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Ellie. I'm excited to chat with you today.
0: Oh, it's an absolute honour. When I emailed over to you the the structure of the podcast and then you replied very quickly, and thank you so much for that. My goodness, what a story. So we've <laughs> gonna, we're just going to get straight into it. So I'm going to start with your prologue as we do. Um, this is like the, your upbringing. So you're mm-hmm. an only child. You're brought up in the Sussex countryside. Yep. Y- your father started an airline. Yeah. So it sounds like there was a lot going on, and then you went off to you went off to boarding school. So it was quite a a colorful, (laughs) shall we say, upbringing.
1: Colorful is uh, is definitely the polite way of calling my childhood. It was um, yeah, it was pretty full on. Um, So my both my parents worked in aviation. The recession that hit when I was sort of in my teens, so what it would have been like early 90s, late 80s, um, my dad was made redundant. Uh, The airline he worked for went into administration and he and a few of the other directors decided to start their own airline. Um, So that was going on when I was at home. So I've been brought up with with a lot of, you know, hard graft is what makes a success of you uh so that was all going on and then I got headed off to boarding school um and yeah I I mean school was all right for me I wasn't sort of I think I don't know I I I really believe that the whole kind of thing where they say that, you know, school and the youth is wasted on the young. I really feel now I know exactly what I want to study, exactly what I want to do. Uh, I feel I could make a lot more of it, but I just kind of muddled through. I was much more interested in drama and theatre studies and being in the school productions than I was in focusing on schoolwork, I found maths and science very challenging, um, and only really wanted to do English and drama, and that that was my kind of core interest. But uh, yeah, it all all kind of came crashing down when I managed to get myself expelled at 15, which was... Uh... Yes,
0: yes. So let's go on. <laughs> let's go on to this. Sam. So this is what, what you're saying there, though. It's so true, isn't it? I've got two um, young sons and we, I talk about this a lot with friends that the um, we all get quite obsessed with academic achievements, yeah. even at such a young age. But actually, it's that fire, uh, the fire in the belly. It's the wanting to try different things. That's the key, isn't it? So, But yeah, so school wasn't wasn't um well you got expelled you, i did
1: you got yeah. expelled
0: you got expelled <laughs> you know, this was to do to do with drugs I, it I was like to say. yeah what was that like what was that time like for you
1: it was it was a dark time to be honest um i i was i was not a naughty girl but i wasn't a good girl i was sort of somewhere in the middle and i was quite easily swayed and i i'm not going to say i got gotten with a bad crowd or anything like that that wasn't the case at all unfortunately you know it was the late 90s early noughties and drugs were rampant and they were available unfortunately within the boarding school um kids with money and i i remember very vividly what had happened i wasn't like a heavy drug user or, or anything like that uh i got offered uh, some class A drugs, and that morning we had been in a school assembly where they, the headmaster, had said that if you wanted to stay on for sixth form, at a minimum, you would need to have all Bs at your GCSEs. Otherwise, you wouldn't be allowed to stay on for sixth form um, because they had such a long wait list of kids that wanted to join the school at sixth form level. And I'd already had my mock results back and knew that wasn't going to be me because I was sort of A's, A stars for English, drama, theatre studies, geography randomly mm. and then C's for math, science, things like that and I was just like it's not going to happen for me and I think the panic just really kind of took over and I'd been given this opportunity to escape it for, for an evening and I... I took that opportunity and it didn't go down too well. I had a really bad reaction and ended up in hospital um, and the school didn't take too kindly to the scene that had been made and had a zero tolerance policy. And that was that I got expelled. We tried really hard to get me back into the school, but it was it was a no go. And it was two months before my GCSEs
0: oh god I can see why it's such a that is a dark time that's that is awful but also obviously you just you weren't in the right place it all goes to show which we'll go on to but if when you're in the right place you do the right thing when you're in the wrong place you do things that aren't right for you so um how were your mum and dad in all of this
1: (laughs) um so incredibly disappointed they couldn't they couldn't see why I did it they just they were not happy at all. It caused a huge scene. Um, it wasn't just me that was involved. There were a couple of other kids. It had made the press. Uh, thankfully, because we were all underage, we weren't named. But it was it was hugely, hugely embarrassing. Um, and they were panicking as to what on earth were they going to do? Because we phoned around lots of schools trying to get me in and no private schools would take me, not a single school was interested i mean i'm not even kidding we had like the independent schools guide and you were starting from a and going through the whole thing for the whole country scotland cornwall you name it if a school would take me then i was going there no one would take me and it was a case of well i think my parents were kind of they tried to give me the best start in life by giving me a private education and had just watched me throw it down the toilet um Thankfully, I wrote a letter to my headmaster, basically begging him to let me take my GCSEs on the school premises, because you had to take them on a, a, a licensed premises. Um, and I took my GCSEs on the school grounds in the medical centre um, with a independent adjudicator that had come and had to sit there and... I took them and I was on a different board because I couldn't be on the board of the school. It was so complicated and an awful, terrifying time. And I had two months to really kind of pull something out of my back pocket uh, and get through my GCSEs. And I did. And it seems like a long time ago, my GCSEs don't even seem relevant anymore. But I did manage to get out with six B's. So I oh could have stayed goodness. for sixth form oh, anyway.
0: <laughs> Sam, after all that. But again, it's look. This is all part of the conversation, but so you did that, and then you went to a college, and you were you you were interested in TV, weren't you? You were interested in TV, being either a presenter or an actress. So again, you were like you were just drawn to that kind of world much more than the academic academic side.
1: I idolised Jill Dando when I was a kid. Yeah. I I actually loved her. I actually had two days off school when she was murdered um, because I was so distraught. I absolutely adored her. I wanted to... I wanted to present the holiday show. That was like, I thought I would kind of... Because I travelled a lot as a child because of my parents being in aviation. Where I was very fortunate that I used to get to go abroad a lot. Uh, and I just thought, oh, being on TV and going on holiday and walking down a beach and telling everyone how lovely it is. Yes, please.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Why wouldn't you? And she's, <laughs> she was amazing.
1: Absolutely amazing. So, But you didn't, you didn't really like the State College. It didn't fit in, hmm. to be quite honest. I just didn't fit in. I had... very plummy accent which I've lost a lot of I know I know I have a nice speaking voice but I was I was very posh from boarding school Uh, and I went to a state state college where I just didn't fit in I people rumors had started people knew why I was there um, and I just got I kind of got bullied to be honest Uh, and after a year I was just like I did my AS levels and realized I really didn't have any focus I didn't know what I wanted to do. My parents were not supportive of the kind of TV presenter uh, theatrical route that I wanted to go down. They were sort of, you know, you need to get a proper job. That's not a proper job. Um, And I just decided enough was enough. My relationship with my parents was very fractured. So I decided I'd be better off going out to work and working my way up into the world of work by by being in it rather than education so i was just shy of 17 and i left home and left college at the same time
0: okay yeah so this takes us on to your first chapter so yes yeah, so you were 16 that was brave to leave home though at 16
1: really brave and you yeah. went to work in a bank i did mm. yeah i got a temp <laughs> job working for barclays bank as a cashier and i just worked as a cashier on the on the front desk as you do and I just stayed there it worked I liked the people that was there my temp job went permanent um I progressed to becoming a cash manager which meant that I was head of the cashiers Very <laughs> so good. I, I, considering I hate maths and I don't like numbers it was a brave job for me to be in <laughs> um and I had a bit of a, a dramatic moment. I uh, I got offered a bank manager position of a very, 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 very small village branch. Like it sounds a very posh job for someone so young, but we're talking like three people working in this branch. And it was essentially the manager position. It was in a little village and I had accepted it and I was due to move over the following week to this little village. And they were raided a couple of days before and the manager that was retiring had had a sort of shotgun like thrust into her face and the place had been ransacked and I realized very quickly that I didn't want that career I didn't want to work in banking I didn't want to be putting myself in that kind of situation I remember everyone say she was so brave and she'd like fought the robbers and all this stuff and I kept thinking I was 18 I was like I wouldn't have Is <laughs> <I> thought... <laughs> said hands up have the money <laughs> i just take it, it's not mine. Um, which, yeah, so I just decided it wasn't for me. I loved the customer service. I really enjoyed that. I liked the retail aspect, but I didn't like the dealing with money. I didn't like the the, the, the corporate structure, and I didn't think it was right for me. And there was a part of me that was thinking I'd really like to work in retail, and that was where... It all kind of kicked off for me, and I finally found where I was supposed to be was in retail.
0: So, okay, so because this is you, when I say colourful, when I used it before, I mean, we get <laughs> we're going to get a little bit more colourful now. Um, <laughs> because so in this time, in your first chapter, from the notes that you sent me, you um, you so you changed, like you say, you went into retail, yeah. Uh, in 2007, you were made redundant, but I was. A- alongside all this, you got married to your sweetheart. I did. So there was a lot going on but then that lasted for 9 months. It did. It, all the stress of everything going on. Then you got a new job, then you were made redundant from that. Yeah. Then you're in a new relationship and that wasn't great. The word was toxic. Nope. Um and then so this so basically this was all going on. Or I mean this was an incredible time in your life Sam. So so,
1: so young. how
0: like right. So how did you cope with it all?
1: So I started working in retail and worked for, I basically begged this lady, Kate, repeatedly, went into her shop. She had a little boutique shop that sold um, ski and surf brands for teenagers and I loved the shop and I loved the brand and it was a little independent and I knew she wanted a manager and I pestered her every single day until she gave in and I had left my job at the bank with nothing to go to I just left I decided I was due to move to this other branch they'd already replaced me and I was just like I don't want to do this I'm out so I just left so I used to go into the shop every day and beg Kate. Eventually she gave in. And at that point I had taken a temp job um, working as an audio typist in a surveying office, doing surveying reports as an audio typist. You know, it was just the things that you did. Yeah. And That's, I'm sure was, you
0: weren't, too, I don't know you very well, but I'm not sure you were that suited to that sound. <laughs>
1: do you know I learned a lot about surveys which has come become very useful later (laughs) on in life buying properties I understand surveys a little bit better now but yeah I used to have to type up or uh, I had a, a survey he was Scottish and he had a very strong Scottish accent and trying to understand what he was saying sometimes was was impossible but yeah I'd basically taken that job I'd gone from temp to perm there and was really enjoying it and then Kate rang me and said she'd hired a manager that she hadn't worked out she'd let her go could I start tomorrow and I was like oh my goodness why now and I remember going into the the manager of the the surveying firm and saying I'm really sorry but this opportunity's come up and I remember him saying to me I think I love you working here you're a great typist but by the sounds of it that's where your passion is and you're really young so just just go if it doesn't work out give me a call and you can come back oh, I was like, I, good. I, just yeah. so nice of him yeah so off I went to work in retail and I stayed working for that store for four years I think it was and then the recession started so we kind of hit 2007 and things were already starting to get pretty rocky I'd been with my boyfriend at that point for five years and we decided to get, we'd been engaged for a while, but hadn't got married. I was heading towards 22 and decided I should probably get married. Um, and I had the big white wedding. I had over a hundred guests. I had the Rolls Royce. I had the full shebang. We bought a house together and I got made redundant three months four months after we got married and we were way too young to cope with something like that I was 21 he was 22 we were trying to navigate how we were going to manage our home he was a firefighter he didn't earn a great deal and we were you know we were scraping by on both of our salaries were, were making ends meet and so me losing my job was was pretty serious um and we were just too young to cope and I think unfortunately that as with any relationship, regardless of your age, when you're put under an enormous amount of pressure like that, that's when you can show whether or not you're a team or you're not. And we were too young to pull together and we pulled apart and it just didn't work. So I uh, I decided to end our, our relationship only nine months after we'd got married. And obviously that went down really well with my parents as well after having been expelled and now I was getting divorced awesome. um yeah did you go back and home my job I didn't no I didn't go back home I um I ended up moving in with a friend and staying with that friend who actually we developed into a relationship but it was a very unhealthy relationship um I'd managed to secure another job quite quickly after I got made redundant, so I got made redundant I think it was September or october, and by the following February, I was back working again, and I was out of my marriage and uh, I stayed there for it must have been a year. I think I got made redundant maybe it was less than it i can't you know I can't remember it was such a long time ago, and it feels like so many things happen in such short succession and so quickly together it's just like a bit of a blur. But then I got another job um, and then the recession fully hit later on in 2008 and then that was it. I lost my job again and um, I was then on job seekers for a year because retail was, it was, I remember, I remember very vividly because I worked for Bay Trading. Um, they went into administration and I remember being in the shops. I worked in Horsham and where our shops were, these businesses were were going under and it was literally in the order of the shops. And it became a point where I was in retail, but there were no jobs because there were no shops anymore, Um, which is sadly what I think is probably gonna happen now. We're going through it all over again. So I was stuck on job seekers for a year, trying desperately to get another job in retail and there were no jobs in retail. Um, And I went up to London to meet with a recruitment firm and said, um, you know, this is what I'm looking for. And they were a retail recruitment firm. And I, you know, this is the kind of job I wanted. And I was prepared to move anywhere in order to, to, to secure a job. And they asked me if I'd considered recruitment. And I said, no, no, it's not something I've ever thought of. But I did a lot of the recruitment when I was at Bay Trading. Um, and I went to their assessment centre and they offered me a job, but it was on the proviso that I would move to London because they didn't want me doing an over an hour commute from Horsham every day. And I also wouldn't really have been able to have afforded the commute it was going to be too expensive. So I moved to London in December 2009, left my relationship. I was gonna say, so you were still at this stage, you were still in the in the bad relationship. I was it was an awful relationship. It it was a bad time, mm. a bad time. I just seemed to have one disaster after another, it appeared. But London was a huge turning point for me. It was an opportunity for me to really make something of myself. And I really felt like I needed to leave this small town that I lived in where everything had happened. I needed a completely fresh start. And off I went to London um, and started working in recruitment.
0: So because just staying there, so um you had had you were so young and you'd been through so much a lot yeah. a lot had happened did you and I get now you know god I'm in my 40s and I've built up some resilience I'd like to think <laughs> yeah but I definitely didn't have anything like that in my early 20s I really didn't did you you must have had some kind of like the spirit that you have to You could have easily gone from bad to worse but you you had some fight in you to think I've got to get a job and I've got to get out of this
1: yeah. And that was, do you know what, that was the thing that really pulled my me and the guy I was with apart. He had also been made redundant. So we were two poor job seekers, <laughs> but he took it so badly. He went down the route of I'm going to sit in my dressing gown all day, not have a shower and play Call of Duty. While I went down the route of I'm going to get up every day, get dressed send out as many CVs as I can go to the job center go and literally go from shop to shop with my CV saying if you've got anything even if it's just a saturday girl i'll take anything he was like no i'm i'm bitter and i'm negative and i'm i this i don't deserve this poor me poor me well i thought well hey the world is a really bad place right now we're in the middle of a recession i'm not going to lie down and just accept that you know poor me poor me i'm going to go out and make a difference i'm going to get myself a job i can't let this happen So I don't know where that comes from, though. I think sometimes it's your personality. I think sometimes it's your upbringing. And I'd seen my parents work incredibly hard together to build a business. And I knew that times had been really tough. And my mum has openly said to me, you know, as as an adult now, there were times where she had to pay, take money off one credit card to pay the mortgage, to take money off a credit card to pay my school fees. There were months she had to choose between the mortgage and keeping me in private school. Um, So... I know that that is what I've been brought up with I may not have been aware of it when I was younger but that was happening around me this 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 grit and determination and drive and I think I mean the resilient is probably the the word that is used the most about me from friends and family is my ability to bounce back and that it's inspiring I I don't see that I just see that as it's just what you do you know times get tough and you you just get on with it and kind of looked like how my grandparents have coped in the past um but yeah it it could have gone from bad to worse there was no doubt about that um but there was clearly something inside of me saying no 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 this isn't this isn't your this isn't your hand this is just a bad hand there is better to come and there was better to come yeah there's been some really crappy things that have happened since then but um (laughs) they what doesn't kill you makes you stronger So, Mm.
0: and also it goes to show, look, you clearly are very loved, but despite you know it that that colorful (laughs) beginning, you're clearly very loved with your parents, and you come from a very lovely family. Clearly, the fact that they were doing this to give you the best education, and that, that you know, you honestly so it comes through, doesn't it?
1: It comes through. Oh, absolutely. And when I moved up to London, I had no money, nothing, not a penny. I had my job seekers, and that was it. And I, you know, I needed to put a deposit down on a flat. And my parents were amazing. They they gave me the deposit for my first flat in London. This is her opportunity. And they were really supportive in their own way. They were really supportive. Mm,
0: it sounds amazing. So you went to so this really started uh this is still part of your first chapter as such, but yeah. it's kind of a another because you were you're in HR retail yeah. and you you really you you thrived here.
1: I did. I did. So I did a year in agency and I didn't really like the agency model. It was too sales, too pressurized, just basically get bums in seats, just fill jobs. Doesn't matter if it's not the right person for the right job. And I didn't like that. I, I sort of saw it like matchmaking. I wanted to find the perfect job for the perfect person. And I kind of saw it like that. And the agency were like, no, 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 no. You just fill jobs. That's your job is to just get bums on seats. And I was, no, that doesn't work for me. So I, one of my clients, funnily enough, was Arcadia. And I had been in the agency, I was heading towards a year and they asked me if I'd be interested in joining them as an in-house recruiter. So I went over to Arcadia and worked on their graduate team, um, recruiting graduates. Now, Arcadia was not a great place to work. And now that it's a defunct company, I feel quite confident in saying that. It's an expectation you were there 24-7. Um, and it was it was, and it was horrible to then have to fake it in interviews and assessment centres with graduates saying, come work here, it's the best place to work when you're dying inside.
0: <laughs> like, don't
1: take the job. Don't do it!
0: Run! Run for
1: the hills! <laughs> Go down somewhere else. Go to Smiths. Yeah, exactly. And it, it was yeah, it was really tough. So I did that. Then I left there, and I I hated Arcadia so much that I then went and worked recruiting doctors and nurses for developing countries for a charity. <laughs> a little bit different. <laughs> yeah, which was amazing and such a fantastic experience for me. And I did that for for quite a while. But I realised that it was. I wasn't that in love with recruitment, but I really liked retail. So I realized I needed to get back into retail and then work out what I was going to do. And I got offered a job working for Swarovski Uh, thankfully, through somebody I used to work with at Arcadia, had since gone there, and anyway, she'd put my name forward, I got a call, asked if I'd go for an interview, went for an interview, they offered me a job, and I joined them as their head of recruitment, which was amazing, and I loved working for Swarovski, it was a fantastic company to work for, I really enjoyed it, the nastiness of Arcadia was so far behind me, because Swarovski just was not like that at all, Um, and Yeah, I stuck it out as their head of recruitment for for a good good couple of years until I turned 30 and realised I wanted more with life.
0: And you were still living in London at this stage?
1: I was, yes. I was living in London. Um, I was in... I'd got into a new relationship. I had met uh, my my then partner in 2011, so a couple of years after I'd moved, um, and was in a long-term relationship. We'd moved in together um, that year that I was 29 so it was the year I was turning 30 we got engaged we bought a house together in London so moved out of our rented flat um and I things were really good things were all going really well in my life and I feel like the year of being 29 was a was a fantastic year for me and that was when I started to really contemplate a Career change,
0: hmm. because what was so okay? So because this is going to take us onto onto your next chapter. So yeah. what what were you think? What were you thinking then? Because you found what you liked doing, but yeah. what did you
1: not like? What was making you think? Hang on, I'd like to do this for myself. I mean, at that point, I hadn't. I wasn't a hundred percent sure I wanted to work. I knew I wanted to work for myself in some capacity, but didn't know at that point what I wanted to do. And it was only when I moved from recruitment to marketing that I realised this is what i want to do and this is what i want to do for myself so in the background while i was working as head of recruitment i was running my own youtube channel and blog doing beauty youtube and and blogging and i had social media accounts and stuff and i thought oh this could be a this could be something that i could do full time because that was when blogging and vlogging and all of that had become really popular and i thought oh maybe i have something to offer here but i wasn't making any money from it that would sustain me being able to leave my job but I knew I had a real passion for social media and for marketing and I thought well if I could do that for a company then I'm combining my two interests and a job as being the recruiter for the company when the social media and marketing executive left I got given the role to recruit for and thought I want to do this good for you this is this is the job I want to do knowing full well I was going from being a head of a department to sort of only one level above the bottom of the marketing department and I was taking a 30% pay cut in order to do that but I knew I really wanted it so I I spoke about my uh, I spoke with my partner at that time and said what did he think and he said well you know it's a big pay cut but we can make it happen we can make it work um, I spoke to my line manager. I spoke to the head of marketing, and they were all a bit like, "What? What? Like, who does that? Who starts their career all over again?" And I thought, "Well, I do. Mm. I start my career all over again." And it wasn't an easy. It wasn't like they just gave me the job. I really got put through the ringer on this one. Um, and I had an interview with our managing director, and she would said to me, "So, Sam, why should I give you this?" marketing role why would I let my really good head of recruitment move into a marketing role and I just said to her because if you don't I will probably leave and go and do a marketing role somewhere else I feel so committed now to to changing my career so you either get to keep me in some capacity or you lose me and she said I was so ballsy she gave me the job on the spot <laughs>
0: Good for <laughs> so. you. I'm, I'm getting to see where this inspiration thing's coming from here Sam it's very good so this is at 30 so you um uh, yeah the ripe old age of 30 which to ripe me now, old age of 30. wow I remember turning 30 thinking god I'm I'm old and now I'm 47 and I think god I was so young um I was yep. just
1: a teen um so, so how was that then how was that job Loved it. Absolutely loved it. It was perfect. It was exactly what I wanted to do. I was really good at it. I took to it like a duck to water. There was basically no training time because I had all this knowledge. And I'm one of those kind of people that if I'm interested in something, I read a lot about it. I really enjoy self-education, which is so ironic considering I didn't do any of that at school. But now I've become very obsessive on topics and I will Google it and I read all the books about it. And I'm a real multi-potential. I have such a variety of interests. Um, and I had already learned a lot about marketing. I'd learned a lot about social media. And so therefore, when I joined, they were a bit like, it's hard to believe you don't have a marketing degree or you haven't come from a marketing background, because how have you just gone from being in recruitment to being in marketing? But I just did. And I think it was because it was natural for me to to do that. And I loved it. It was really good. Um But there was because of the structure of the company, there wasn't really anywhere that I was going to be able to go with that role. Unless someone left, I wasn't going to be able to move up. And then even then there was a ceiling because our head office was in Zurich. So there came a point where you only went as far in the London office and then you had to kind of move to Zurich. And I was never going to move to Zurich. So I knew that there was already going to be a a cap on where I could go. And it was sat in a meeting Having done the role for a year, I was sat in a meeting with a social media agency and we were talking about some ideas of things they could execute for the company and they were my ideas but we were going to pay them all this money for them to execute the ideas I'd come up with and I just suddenly thought, why am I why am I doing this here? I've got the ideas so maybe I should set up on my own and that was where the idea came from and I, I'm quite an impulsive person I wouldn't say I'm impulsive in a negative way it's like if I've made a decision I've made the decision it can take me a long time to get to that decision but once I've decided there's there's no swaying me and in that moment I decided I'm gonna leave and I'm gonna become a social media manager and I'm gonna help small businesses because small businesses can't afford 250,000 pounds for a social media um, agency I could do this I could do this
0: I'm gonna do it you get and you did. You I did, did. <laughs> but that so. But also, you'd learned so much by this stage. Everything you'd gone through. Yeah, you had learned a lot, and you'd learned about leaving and starting again and doing things yep. on your own. So all these things, it goes to show, doesn't it, that it all comes in. So this, yes, yeah, so this then takes you on to us onto your next chapter. So, so how
1: did you start that up? How did you start that business up? So I decided I wanted to leave and chatted to um, my partner of the time about my decision he was just sort offered I was like well we took a 30% pay cut so if I went to a zero like earning nothing we could totally cope and he was just like oh my god so I spoke to my parents about it and my dad had always said to me if I came up with a business idea I could pitch it and invest and I went around on a Saturday and I said so I've decided to leave my job and my dad was like Right, and this is what I'm going to do this is my business idea and he was like do you have a business plan I was like no he was like okay you need to write a business plan and come back with your business plan and we can talk about it and I was like yeah yeah, yeah, yeah but could could I borrow some money so that I can start my business he was like I will invest in your business if you bring me a business plan and I feel that it is worth investing so I'm like oh, okay so he's like come back next weekend can't come back next weekend why can't you come back next weekend because I've already given my notice in and he was just like was there a flashback moment I think my both my parents were just like oh god why my mum has, has, has said to me but sometimes I wonder why we didn't have more than one child <laughs> I think that would be even more colourful, Sam, even more colourful. Quite possibly. Uh, So So I went into the other room, wrote a business, spent the whole afternoon writing a business plan and then went back and pitched. And my dad made me pitch like Dragon's Den style. Him, my mum and my my then partner was sat on the sofa in a row. I had to do a full pitch. I had printed it out and everything. Um, And my dad said, yeah, okay, I'll invest. I'll invest. I'll give you some start-up money to kind of tide you over. Uh, until you start making some proper money um, and that was what happened that's, that's basically brilliant. What,
0: what happened that is what what a good dad as well what a good way yeah. of doing it what a good way um so you so you started doing this and so did yeah. you how did you attract businesses in the first place
1: so initially it was I used social media obviously being a social media manager but I was fe- mainly focusing on things like Twitter Facebook um, and a little bit on Instagram at that time and I was also cold contacting so I was sending out postcards and things to local small businesses and I'll be honest it was not working I was not in a good place I'd started this business and was just like um yeah I'm running out of money now this isn't good and my other half had said to me like you know you there's going to come a point Sam where you're going to have to call it a day and you'll have to go back to work and I was like yep okay right and then I started to build a bit of a Community on Instagram and really focused my energy into Instagram. Stop with the postcard, stop with the cold calling. Got my first client through Instagram, then word of mouth spread. I got another client, but I was finding that they didn't really want me to do the doing, they wanted to know how I came up with ideas, how I was doing things on Instagram, um, how I was posting to Facebook, why was I doing that. And. It seemed a very natural involvement that rather than doing the doing, I would be better off teaching and showing people how to do it themselves. So they'd pay me a a one off fee and I would teach them how to do something which would save them money than rather a monthly recurring fee of getting somebody to do your social media for you. And by the middle of 2016, um, Instagram had launched Instagram stories. And this was real, nat- really natural for me. I felt very comfortable talking in front of the camera, uh, talking directly to my audience. And I was a very quick um, adopter of it, partly because I'd been using Snapchat, I think, when I'd been at uh, Sorovsky. So I felt quite confident having that interaction with people. And that was the game changer for me because I was able to express myself, talk. I got invited onto podcasts. I got invited onto the radio. Um, People just seemed to really like me and the way I came across. And therefore that naturally brought me people I started doing workshops and getting lots of people together and teaching lots of people in one go on how to do things I had people wanting one-on-one support I then evolved from it being like a a contract so then people could work with me on a monthly basis one-to-one and it just went from being teaching people how to use Instagram to teaching people social media in general to teaching people content marketing to general marketing and it just sort of naturally evolved and I just sort of went with it and I think when you're a small business getting your feet sort of really stuck in the ground and refusing to, to change is the worst thing you can possibly do. You need to just, the ball is rolling, just keep going with it and evolve. It might not be the business that was on paper. I mean, the business I have today is nothing like the business I initially pitched to my dad, mm-hmm. but it's been a natural involvement and you can see how I've gone from social media manager to what I do today because I've just kind of rolled with the punches, really. Just before
0: we go on to what you do today, with the whole... When you when you were saying like you were building up a community, because again, this is a, a while ago and I, yeah. I'm, I'm starting out, you know, full disclosure, and I have got no idea what I'm doing. Somebody who's worked in telev- television for 25 years, I'm ashamed to say it. But you say about building a community how like without i appreciate you don't don't give the secrets away but how do you build a community like that is it what would you say is the key is it being
1: yourself is it being yeah
0: is that the, is that the key
1: being yourself and being active really interacting so don't just expect people to find your content and come to you go out and find people find peers collaborative efforts find people who are in the same field um the same uh trying to attract the same clients as you but doing something different so for me it was very much so I was very much focused on specifically organic marketing and Instagram and social media so then I would would chat with someone who did Facebook ads I would chat with someone who does SEO chat with someone who does branding for small businesses and I would create relationships with with other people and then we would do collaborative things so therefore we'd be pulling our audience together so we would do like Instagram lives together or Facebook lives together or collaborative blog posts or just promote each other's businesses to our audience so you're making friends in business which is in so incredibly important but also you are exposing yourself to more people and that's how you start to build a community show up regularly be yourself and collaborate with other people don't expect everyone to find you you've got to actively put yourself out there
0: mm-hmm. yeah it's it, good advice and and you have to be brave but it's it's quite a kind world it's in some ways brave you don't have to be as brave as being in a conference and having to keep go up to a, in front of 100 people or something yeah. like that which is something so so you went so it again it just goes to show this time doesn't it look so now you're really in the right place so you're doing there is tv you've got the yeah. resilience you've got the great personal skills that you've got you've got the hr yeah. you've got the marketing so everything that you've been through um yeah. you've got your mum and dad there with you brilliant yeah. so it
1: evolved into more so you are more involved now with life coaching yes so I do life coaching and business mentoring so I worked pretty much start, my original company was called Social Mouth and so I started Social Mouth and ran that until the end of 2018 and that was really running workshops courses and one-on-one social media and content managed uh, content marketing uh, advice and mentoring then in early 2019 I rebranded and pivoted my business to Smaller mighty co and again this was more marketing but it was marketing and business mentoring less about the life but more about general business because i've been running a business for a while at that point lots of people wanted my advice and how do i start a business and what do i need to think about so i kind of broadened it more into business and marketing um, and at that point <laughs> literally 14 days after I rebranded and launched my husband who had been with for nearly 10 years walked out
0: oh, and no. that was
1: the end of my marriage <gasps> my second marriage um and it was all a bit of a surprise unfortunately he had fallen in love with somebody else and that was the end of that and oh, my world imploded there's not really any other words I can use it everything came crashing down I had literally just invested all of my profits from the previous years into rebranding my business getting a new website um I'd spent a small fortune uh we'd just built an extension on our house so financially we were not in a very good place um and yeah everything kind of fell apart but 2019 was the making of me despite Mm. everything else that's happened before 2019 really showed me my strength and what I'm good at and I had already started to notice a pattern in clients that I was advising them things to do within their business such as you know show up on stories, reach out to people on Instagram, create connections and they weren't doing it and the reason they weren't doing it were much more deeper rooted reasons than you know they weren't not doing it just because they couldn't be bothered they wanted to do it but there was mindset issues that were holding them back and i'd already started to notice that then my life imploded yeah. <laughs> and in a huge i oh in, a, in an enormous way and i'm not going to say for one second that i didn't take a few months to just lick my wounds I lost a great deal of weight I became very unhealthy I was really depressed mm. I suffered with really severe anxiety during that time I really struggled to, I ran my business with the clients I already had but I didn't try to bring on anybody else and once those clients kind of finished I took a few months off mm. I actually went and worked in a yoga studio for a few months because I needed routine because I just lost all sense of what day was what um, and I went and worked on reception in a yoga studio for a couple of months to give myself new structure uh, and during that time I'd also got a life coach and during that period was when I realized that I could train in NLP so neurolinguistic programming and combine that into my mentoring and support clients in a a holistic way so rather than holistic with the h putting the w in front of it and approaching their business and their life as a whole because i had very much realized that running your own business when your life explodes your business explodes everything just goes down the toilet at once and what's going on in one part of your life really affects the other and working with a life coach had helped me kind of stitch my life and my business back together and i almost wanted to pay it forward And I wanted to help others, not necessarily people who were going through something as dramatic as what I was going through, but just helping people find that balance, work better, live smarter, be happier and not create a business that was a monster. Because my business had become a monster. I was working 24-7, seven days a week. I was neglecting my relationship. My marriage had fallen apart without me really realizing. And I realized what, what did I really have? I didn't really have anything. I'd I'd set out to do something that hadn't worked. My and I had nothing to show for it anymore and money in the bank um isn't isn't enough mm-hmm. at the end of the day. It's how happy you are and I was really unhappy. So I wanted to pay it forward um, and I trained in NLP. I trained in holistic life coaching. I did a CBT course, a cognitive behavioral therapy. I did EFT, so emotional freedom technique. uh, And I combined it all together and decided that I was going to work as a life coach and business mentor, which gives me a very unique position in the market because coaches don't ever tell you what to do they will just ask questions Um, and obviously I'm not an expert in people's lives so for that part I coach. I ask them questions and help them find the answers but if they're running a business as well and they want specific advice rather than say hey you know what do you think you should do or advise them to go google it, um, I could actually tell them what would be beneficial for them and that's what I've done. So since middle of 2019, um, October 2019, I completely pivoted my business into life coaching and business mentoring and it's I've thrived I everything has just improved dramatically for me both my mental health my mindset my well-being but also my business I now have a really successful business that has afforded me to be able to move out of London buy a flat in Brighton I don't have a mortgage um, and i managed to do that all in a year wow. as well as deal with pretty severe heartbreak do
0: you think do you think you would have naturally come on to being a life coach or do you think it was because when you you went to a life coach at a time that you needed and it, and well done for you to do something like that because I'm not sure everyone would um you know did what did that life coach do for you which then led you to becoming a life coach as
1: well he pointed out things that I was shying away from um and made some very kind of clear he pointed out to me that I had some destructive behavioral patterns myself and he wouldn't let me wallow and that was what I needed I tried counseling but I didn't want to keep looking back I didn't see the the point of repeatedly I tried it and but talking about how hurt I was and how upset I was and that my husband had an affair and all of that was I just would leave in tears and then want to spend the next few days lying on the sofa eating chocolate because it just reminded me of just how horrendous the whole experience had been. While working with a coach, he wouldn't let me wallow. He wouldn't let me dwell on what had been. You can't change the past, but you could change your future. And that was what was kind of really pushing me was, okay, I get it. And he, he would, you know, I would burst into tears occasionally and be like, oh, you know, this has happened. And I found out he's doing this. And he'd be like, I'm not interested. Well, a a therapist will let you just waffle on. And I was like, oh, 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 okay. And he was sort of like, but what are you going to do about it? And it was like, well, um, I'm going to do this. And he'd hold me accountable and push me forward. And that was what I wanted to do for other people is not let them dwell on the things that had happened, but to change, to, to take control and change their future. And I think maybe I would have become a life coach anyway. I don't know I don't know how much of an impact Sam my coach had on me in me becoming a coach or whether or not he just helped the seed bloom Mm -hmm. um I think it was maybe a combination but I I do believe that you know all the training for becoming a life coach is great but it's your life experiences that make it and I mean I'm 30 I'm coming up for 36 and I have I've ticked a lot off you really have (laughs) I mean, you
0: have Sam. You have, but you know what? But how amazing that you're you're doing now. So, when people come to you now, you know, how do you um, how do you start off with people? You know, what do what if someone say, comes to you i says, look, I'm just, I've had a bad time, or I'm just not sure where I'm going in life. So m- my podcast is about people who want to start a next chapter, they know they want to do yeah. something, and they just don't quite know. So if someone's listening to this now, you know, what how would you start off with that person who's saying, look, I, th- I, I think it's okay, but I'm really not living the life I really think I should be. Where would you even begin with that person?
1: So the first thing is we need to establish what's which area or areas are pulling you down so we would do a wheel of life exercise which you can google you can get a wheel of life exercise really easily Um, they're also on my website if you want a wheel of life and it's basically just a circle with segments which represent all the different areas of your life so work money home and family fun and leisure etc and they're all health They're all around in this circle and you rate each segment between zero and 10, 10 being perfect, there's no room for improvement, zero or one being horrendous, lots of room for improvement. And that's the first thing we do is we look at your life as a whole to see exactly where there are issues because your need for a change can sometimes manifest itself in something like, uh, I wanna leave my relationship, for example. I think that's the change I need when actually it's your work that's unfulfilling. Or it can be the other way around. Um, There could be lots of areas. It could be that you don't like what you see in the mirror. You don't like when you stand on the scales or you put your jeans on. And that's actually really dragging you down and making you unhappy. But rather than facing up to the fact that you actually need to get fit and maybe lose a few pounds, you're being horrible to your husband and actually creating this toxic situation. So you're feeling you need a change, but you think your change is your relationship when actually it's your health. So the first thing we would do is do a wheel of life. And I think that's a really important exercise that everybody starts with. I do a wheel of life at the beginning of every year and then every month I check back in on it. So I will do a wheel of life and I will rate everything between zero and 10 and then I'll write a statement for what 10 would look like in that area what is 10 to me in that area? And then every month, I pick something that will take me one step towards the 10 score. And I rate it at the end of each month of how much how closer am I to 10? Have I gone from a four to a five, for example, I think it's a really key exercise to start with I actually have an IGTV video, um, which I did at the end of last year about setting goals um, and using the wheel of life, which if anyone wants to check out, they're welcome to It gives you a bit more of a in detailed explanation um, and that will will help you identify what you want to change how many areas need work and what steps you could take towards making a difference
0: do you think people who who come to you are they all up for taking the steps because you do have to do the work yourself is it no matter how much you're advised you do have to put in the hard work
1: and it is hard but are, yeah.
0: are people up for that
1: Um, I won't take anybody on that isn't so a big part of coaching is you have to be open to change you have to be open to looking at things differently you have to be open to trying new things you have to be open to letting things go Uh, and if you're not then it won't work it's quite simply coaching isn't for you I do quite I I do an an hours discovery call with people which I call a self-discovery call a lot of coaches will do you know 15-20 minutes and they'll be like "Yep, cool sign you up I do an hour and I really test whether somebody is really committed to making change because I want clients that want to make a change and my ego needs that you know as a coach it's not really my job as to whether or not you make a difference in your life. But I really, really genuinely want people to live their best life. So therefore I only want to take on clients that really want that because working with me is not a walk in the park. You know, I'm not going to stroke your hair and say you're a clever girl or a clever boy. I am going to push you and I'm going to push you outside of your comfort zone. I'm going to make you do things that you don't want to do. I'm going to call you out on stuff and self-sabotage your behaviors. Cause that's what Sam did to me. He pointed out all my self-sabotaging behaviors. Um, and I, I really appreciate that because I'm a much better person for it. So I want to make sure that the people who are coming to me really are ready. And if they're not, there are other people that they can work with or perhaps therapy would be better for them. And that's what that call is all about.
0: Mm. So going, I mean, taking this back to you just very quickly, so because we're coming to the end of our time. But um, how is life now in Brighton?
1: life is really good I almost sometimes feel afraid to say that life is really good um I actually stopped working with my coach a little while back because I said there's nothing I want to change there's no there's no extra level that I want to go to I'm really content and all I want to do is maintain this because I've had so I've had well I feel like I've had 36 years of up and down I just want it to stay steady for a while but no I'm in a really good place um in the latter part of 2019 I met somebody else um and was not intending to have a relationship but that what was supposed to be a short-term relationship is still going strong um I moved out of London and moved down to Brighton for me my my boyfriend still lives in London I moved down here because I felt a real draw to the sea I love living down here I have a fantastic outdoor life I get to walk on the beach every day I've taken up paddle boarding I get to run I absolutely adore it I have a business that is thriving and I'm just feel really happy I'm really content and I feel like this is where I was supposed to end up the universe had a plan for me and this is where I was supposed to be and somebody asked me a little while back if you had to go through everything, the whole lot so from day dot right through the first divorce the redundancies, the toxic relationship the second marriage, the second divorce which absolutely kicked your butt would you do it all again if you knew you were going to end up right here, right now in the relationship you're in now in the home that you live in would you do it all over again? and I would and that is a testament, I guess, to it really wasn't that bad. There's always something better mm. coming. Mm.
0: I think you've taken some really good advice, you know, from yourself <laughs> um, all the way through. So I always ask, like, if you're, for your Sam story to be continued, what would you like to do next? So without it being too dramatic or anything, is
1: there something? <laughs> kind of let my business just flow with where it needs to go and what I feel naturally drawn to and where I feel naturally gifted. I've done... I have completed um, like Reiki courses. I'm very interested in energy work. And I think, yeah, maybe there might be an involvement in my business into that, or maybe that'll just be for my own personal development. But right now, I'm really content with the business I have. I feel really happy and really content. I just I just can't wait for COVID to be over. And so I can go back to music festivals and seeing friends and making new friends in Brighton, because that's been the big thing. I moved down here in July and just be content with where I am and not keep looking over the fence at, you know, what might be next. Oh, how lovely. What a lovely place to be.
0: So your acknowledgements, who would you like to thank?
1: So my parents, for certain, uh, because they've put up with a lot of my colorful behavior. And (laughs) if it wasn't for them giving me some money to move to London and also to start up my business, I don't know that those things would have happened for me. Um, My coach, Sam, was obviously a huge, had a huge impact on my life. And we, you know, we didn't work together for that long. But what we did was really special. And he really helped me put a lot of things into perspective and in a time when things were so dark i just didn't i had no idea what i was going to do and as much as it pains me probably my ex-husband um well you sam, know, this is brave well done sam because you know th- the good thing is he was incredibly supportive uh when at, especially at the start when i wanted to change careers and change my business and if he hadn't walked out i wouldn't be where i am today and i'm blissfully happy so and i'm so much happier than i was when we were married so yeah. thank you <laughs> well it goes to show, it just goes to
0: show doesn't it some of these things as much as you don't want it to happen some of think all this business things happen for a reason sometimes i really yeah. do believe that is true mm. so what would you say sarah i mean you can say so much but just what so if someone's listened to this and whatever yeah. it may be uh, they think, come on, I, okay, right, listen to this lady, I am inspired, I need to, come on, I need to do this. What would be your advice to for somebody to find out exactly what they should be doing?
1: I think the first thing, I was pondering this, and I think doing something like a future visualisation would be really beneficial. Um, I have a recording, I can send you a link if you would want to share a link, but Please. you can do a future visualisation where you get to sort of meditate And see yourself in the future. Where do you live? What do you look like? What do you do? And give you an insight to your intuition as to where you think you should be going. What does your life look like in five, ten years' time? That will help you identify potentially where the change needs to be. Is it where you live? Is it who you're with? Is it your career? What is it? Um, that will give you a real insight to perhaps where you're supposed to be going. And then the next thing is to do a values assessment. A lot of people don't look up or find out what their personal values are. Loads of exercise online. You can Google how to find your personal values um, and see if you embody those on a day-to-day basis because not living by your values are normally the biggest cause for um, a lack of harmony in your life. Uh, we all have values that we were basically born and bred with and they are important to us but if you are not living by them then you are going to be miserable so check out what your values are and see whether or not you embody those values on a day-to-day basis and that's kind of it really I'd say they're the kind of key things and doing the wheel of life which I've mentioned before which will help you identify an area of you know that might need improvement uh, and just really listen to your intuition. You you know, you have all the answers inside of you. You just need to listen to the niggle, listen to the gut, listen to your heart um, and follow it.
0: And you're the only person who can do that. You can't wait for someone else to do this for you.
1: Definitely not. You are the only person that can make a change in your life. You have a choice. You have free will. Um, you either can or, or you either do or you don't. That is, that is ultimately your choice. Um, and, you know, you only get one life. So live it
0: sam burgess you have been an amazing guest on the next chapter thank you so much for trusting me with your story
1: you're very welcome thank you so much for asking me it's been an absolute pleasure
0: so there you go sam burgess she makes you think doesn't she well what did you take from that there's so much for me one thing i'm thinking of is we have all the answers inside of us you just have to listen to that niggle. You know the one, don't you? I do. I'll be honest, I've been watching her videos, and don't tell him I told you, but my husband has been too. These links are in the show notes, and you can find out more about Sam and her incredible work at smallandmighty.co. To keep in touch with my next chapter or to let me know about yours, and I'd really love to hear, you can find me at elliebarkerwrites.com. I'm going to say the usual. If you could rate and review this episode, that would be just marvellous. Thank you very much. But in the meantime, remember, keep listening to that niggle. You know the one. Speak soon.